Welcome to Gender Weird, the podcast where you ruin your favorite movies by calling them gay. This is Jane. And this is Vivian Strange. Today we're joined by the lovely and amazing Elaine Fuentes. Say hello, Elaine. Hi, it's uh, great to be on the podcast today. Um, I I love all the other episodes I've I've seen, and I've thankfully been able to see them early because of my lovely girlfriend, uh, Jane. Why why, Why don't you tell everybody about yourself a little bit? Yeah, uh, I'm a prominent trans uh, filmmaker who makes stuff on YouTube, and I also have been making the occasional uh, film review and a music video on my YouTube channel, uh, just titled Elaine Fuentes, so you'll be able to find me there. I'm also on Letterboxd with un- under MondayLover24. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, um, where you can keep up with me. Yeah, that's, that's a little about me. Um, so, so today I'm here in California. Um, I'm in a long distance relationship with Elaine. And so I, we decided to kind of like make her tag along today for this episode. Yes, this is, this is totally nepotism. Uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So, um, today we're going to be talking about two different, um, films, uh, that kind of deal with like, I guess you could say transitioning for love, for lack of a better word, in maybe almost like the mutilation of love. Um, and, and, and those being, uh, In a Year of 13 Moons by Reiner Werner Fassbender and Hedwig and the Angry Inch by John Cameron Mitchell. Uh, a little bit of background behind, like, Hedwig first. Actually, John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask, the, the creators of the original stage musical, which was later adapted into, like, um, to the screen, they met on an airplane with one of them reading a, uh, Reiner Werner Fassbender biography, and that's how they kind of like met and started talking. And from there, they created the play, and from the play, they created um, the, the film. And what do you have to say about these films, uh, Vivian? Just like a little overview. Okay, Hedwig was very fun. Uh, I loved it. It's it's a musical about this um, uh, rock star named Hedwig who gets a sex change that uh, gets botched um, in order to immigrate from Germany. And In a Year of 13 Moons is not fun. It is one of the saddest fucking movies I have ever seen, but it's, it's, it's it focuses on a, a trans woman named Elvira who, you know, transitioned, uh, and got, you know, uh, surgery. She did it for the sake of a relationship, um, and, and making that Yeah, work. basically... Yeah, so Hedwig is is based in like East Germany, um, you know, during the time of the Berlin Wall. Whereas like in Year of Fifteen Moons, it's uh, it's all West Germany. So you get a little bit of kind of this like contrast between like the different sides of of the wall before it was like destroyed in, in eighty nine. And in a way, the wall kind of functions in like Hedwig and the Angry Inch as like this like dividing line between kind of like the East and the West. And but basically what Hedvig kind of like um, what the movie kind of like proposes is that like without like these dividing lines, whether it's like a dividing line between, you know, East West, you know, communist capitalist, um, or male and female, through division that we that we that identities actually flourish. In any year of Thirteen Moons, it's like, extremely depressing. There is like this like empathy and heart to it at the same time, I think. Oh, and, absolutely. And what that comes out of is that um, Fassbender, he was not the best person. He was known for his cruelty on set, isn't okay, that right? Okay, yeah, there's... Oh, absolutely. Fassbender was, 
I think, widely known to be one of the cruelest filmmakers uh, who has ever made films. I mean, so just something small that he would do to his uh, cast and crew is he would sell them for sex work and just sell them off, like basically pimping them to finance his films. I did not know that. And I think you also, I saw you reading uh, about him the other day, and you saw that not one, but two of his former lovers uh, committed suicide. Right. And, and and that's where In a Year of 13 Minutes actually comes out of, is that like one of his like ex-boyfriends, uh, Armin Meyer, who was in several of his films, Fassbender didn't invite him to his like 33rd birthday party, and this guy ended up taking his own life, and I think he was like found hung in, in Fassbender's apartment. And 13 Moons was inspired by this. And in a way, it's almost like this, like this cleansing, I think, where it's kind of coming to terms with the fact of like how his own cruelty brought on somebody's death, or at least it kind of, you know, maybe we shouldn't like blame that completely on that. I think if somebody takes their life, they have a multitude of things going on, but that was like the tipping point in a way. Yeah. Broken people connect with other broken people. Right, exactly. And Fassbender was definitely broken. Uh, I, I do <laughs> find it. I do find it strange that, for as biographical as In the Year Thirteen Moons is, at least on a on a like emotional level, introducing the trans angle to uh, Elvira Weishaupt is 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 a choice. <laughs> uh, it, it's a choice, and yeah. I don't think that comes out of nothing. I would not be surprised if like Fassbender or. Uh, at least his his ex-lover, Armin Meyer. There might have been something going on there with gender. I'll come out and I'll come out and say it. No, Fassbender was hundred uh, percent an egg. Uh I, I, I have absolutely no no doubt about that. He's 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 queer shit. His ex-wife, um, Ingrid Caven, actually said this about him. Rayner was a homosexual who also needed a woman. It's that simple and that complex. And Okay, that's you can put the pieces together from that. Yeah, and and the way he was tormented because he was a very tormented person. Not that it excuses any of his shittiness, but like he was, you can see through his work uh, that I've seen at least, uh, ruthlessly self-critical, and uh, he, he put a lot of himself into his into his movies. Yes. And um, and he he also struck like he died at age thirty-seven from a. Uh, I believe a cocaine and barbiturate uh, mm-hmm. overdose. Um, so yeah, he had substance abuse issues. He had a bunch of mental health issues, and you know, so he was—he's a complex guy. Again, he's a not- complex guy, but also like he's—he's he's like a walking paradox. He was known for being like a homophobic gay, a misogynistic feminist, a far left anti-Marxist, um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm not really going to excuse the guy as a person, but like. He has a lot of masterpieces under his belt. I think like Berlin Alexander Platz especially is like a notable example of this. It's like his, his filmography, in my opinion, is like it's an indictment of Germany. And yeah. it's almost like in the aftermath of fascism, what rises up? It's something that's like beyond like human comprehension in a way. And yeah. it's almost like this descent into queerness. I think that's like his trajectory in, in a way. And and I think that that's like expressed in a lot of his films, especially um Berlin Alexander Platz and, and in a year of thirteen moons, of course. When I was watching in a year of thirteen moons, it uh and and Hedwig as well, it it just occurred to me. I felt the weight, and I can feel this every time I watch one of Fassbender's movies. This the weight on his soul as a and the soul of Germany, uh, in the wake of World War Two. Because like I, I I can't even I can't even imagine what it 
must have been like to be a German born because he was born in May of 1945, just a couple weeks after the surrender. Um, and he actually lied about his age for a while. He uh, lied until shortly before his death that he was born in 1946, actually, because he wanted to be associated just with with the didn't want to be associated with that uh with with that era um mm-hmm. and which is which is very interesting and in Hedwig there's also a uh something his mom says that that just like it fucks with me um when little little he- back back up uh, Hansel Hansel I'll, I'll I'll be gendering Hansel uh he because that's we'll be switching between pronouns just depending on where we're at in the respective stories because like, yeah. there's a there's an argument for these these characters not being actually trans but we'll get into that uh yeah so Hansel is uh talking uh, mentions Jesus um to their mom but Jesus died for our sins and their mom's like so did Hitler. <laughs> and that just, that fucks with me. <laughs> the shadow of Nazism over like all of, all of late 20th century German cinema. Kind of, kind of in a similar way to the way, uh, the bomb, um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, uh, permeates through, uh, late 20th century Japanese cinema. I think this is a cliche on this channel. It all comes down to power. And that's what's being expressed in these films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's that line where it's like it's better to have uh, no power than power, or however it went in mm-hmm. the film. Yeah, absolute power corrupts. It is better to be powerless. It's a queer perspective, but at the same time, it's also one that's almost defeatist in a way, where it's assuming the idea that power is undoubtedly a source that'll lead to corruption, it'll lead to fascism, it'll lead to the failure of communism or whatever the fuck. Um, but also, better to be powerless is almost just like being subservient to powers that, you know, will not always have your best benefit at heart. I mean, just look at capitalism. Many, many, many people absolutely mm-hmm. powerless, but I don't think they'd uh, be as quick to say, oh, it's better to be powerless and have no power at all. But then again, it's the system that um, teaches that, oh, you have to have absolute power um, and try to step over others to get that. It's, it's, also, it's ultimately what Hedwig uh, wants to try to go to and achieve is they want to have that kind of... Uh, Era seeking power uh-huh. that they have never been able to achieve. I mean, there's well, also yeah, a scene then, where, but, but I think that that like pursuit of power is ultimately what kind of like led to you know his or her downfall. Mm-hmm. And basically, at the end, you know, it's about community because it's like you, absolutely you have to like first you have to love yourself in order to love other people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to love other people. And, absolutely, you know. But yeah, and love yourself within that. Uh, yeah, understand that other people are people and. You can't control them. If I'm being completely honest, I find her a very, very compelling character, um, and she's great. She's real. She's real fun. But Hedwig is a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, she is. She, uh, it, the, when she tears up uh, Yitzhak's uh, uh, v, like passport or visa or whatever, I, I had like a physical reaction to that. Of like, and an interesting thing. I don't. I don't think we'll probably get it. Get too in, uh, into it here, but like. Uh, her relationship with um, Tommy, it's uh, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot today. But their relationship is grooming. It's a bit predatory, yeah, yeah. But but yeah. It, but it is portrayed with uh, with with nuance and with uh, sympathy and compassion. And ultimately, Hedwig comes to you know realize, realizes that what she's been doing is wrong. She falls in love with Tommy, thinks of uh, him as her other half, um, 
and uh and you know realizes that no you can't make other people you can't do that to other people you can't people aren't don't come in halves they and her her vision at the end because the end of Hedwig is very like kind of surreal I mean the, the whole the whole film is kind of like you know surreal heightened reality um but she has all of her has all of her like superficial like all of her makeup wigs everything off and it's her and Tommy is singing on stage um and it's just them and he uh he's singing back a uh, reprise of the song that they they met over and she sees Tommy as a, a, a pro- it's a projection of part of herself that she's suppressed and not come to terms with the part of her that's a boy uh, I guess you could say. I see the end as her uh, reconciling with that. Um, it was written by two non-binary people um, who at the time were identifying as gay men. I think in a lot of ways I do view it as a very kind of like, I guess you could say post-gender or at least non-binary genderqueer yeah. kind of like perspective where it's almost like, you could see something similar in 13 Moons as well, but I think like at the end it's kind of like Hedvig, Hansel, whatever you want to call them. They're leaving the week behind. They don't need the drag anymore. It, you know, it, it was helpful at one point in time. Now they're moving beyond that. And I think, but I don't think it's like a, a uh, I don't think it's like a cis normative in terms of like, oh, I'm embracing my masculinity. I've seen people argue that it is, but I, I just, I don't see it that yeah, way. It's... But at the same time, I also think that historically, you know, people have feminized gay men to a point where they feel mm-hmm. like they must, you know, be extra manly or be extra feminine um, in order to like, you know, be closer to God or yeah. whatever. And that's something that like, I know that John Cameron Mitchell, the, the actor slash uh, writer and director was, was going for was basically, I think it is commentary on the feminization of gay men, but at the same time, you know, looking at it from a latent non-binary perspective, it's also kind of like channeling something about gender and how we can move beyond the binary. We can tear down that, uh, that new Berlin wall that 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 she like kind of embodies and kind of like move onward naked into the night and let the world kind of just accept you for like who you are. But 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 I'm but I'm very curious because this kind of like leads into what I was thinking about for like um in year thirteen moons as well is that in the past I've I've kind of entertained the reading that you know these these characters Elvira and and Hedvig you know they're sex change operations it, it's like it, it's from like coercion it's or it's from like kind of this this drive to be loved you know in a society where you aren't gay or like or you're not allowed to be gay or it's kind of taboo to be gay you kind of like oh hey you know this person would love me if i was a woman or i can find a future with this person if i transition and and by the end of both of these films they kind of socially detransition to some extent or at least it could be read as such Hedvig's very abstract in the ending I feel like 13 minutes is a bit more clear cut but this character is also you know falling into depression and kind of giving up themselves so um I I, I don't know if it can authentically view it as like authentic detransitioning yeah but... what I see when I see like the end of Hedwig is um just just going off the 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 rest of her story is embracing all of all of herself as she is a full person yeah. so the whole uh transitioning for love thing it's it's heteronormativity is what it is because uh okay hedwig is haunted by this this idea of in in the song origin of love which is such a banger like every every song in hedwig is such a fucking banger um Arist- aristophanes like origin of love myth is basically like 
Um, so, so originally, so the story goes as this. Originally, there were three sexes, genders, whatever you want to call it. And basically, it's like male, female, and androgynous. And basically, in life, you know, one man is fo- trying to look after their gay lover. And the same can be said when it comes to like the lesbians, two women rolled up back to back. And then for androgynous, that's where straight people come from. They come from androgyny, according to Aristophanes' myth. So that's a man and a woman together. And Zeus's lightning, basically, you know, people were becoming too, like, defiant to the gods and, and the gods feared us because they want to maintain their power. So basically, they separated us and we're trying to find our other halves. So androgy- okay. So that means that straight people are one androgynous person together. A straight couple is, which sounds kind of transy if you ask me personally. <laughs> um and and I guess like gay men are, you know, you find your gay lover, you are more male than, you know, than that's what you want, which is interesting because that goes in line with what we're saying about like, the search for the lost femme in previous episodes, where basically we want to be with our other half to complete our whole, which, you know, Hedvig is kind of like saying this is it, it's self-hating bullshit because we don't have to, we can be defined on our own terms. We don't need another person to define us in our worth and our completeness we should instead look inward at ourselves and accept that we are whole on our own terms. In the end, as Hedvig embraces kind of more of a like a anti-gender, post-gender, whatever you want to call it, uh, non-binary status, that's almost yeah. like them come to terms with that they are a gender of one. They don't have another half that they belong to. They're whole on their own terms. And it's from there that they find community with, within other people, within their, their fans and their band and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I would also say like the idea of like the separation of trying to maintain power almost mimics uh, what happens with Luther and uh, at the time Hansel when they're just like, you got to give up a piece of yourself. And then mm-hmm. that kind of inspires their whole entire quest to find their other half of themselves um, because they lost a part of themselves that they, you know, kind of defined what kind of was it what made Luther attractive to them was their androgyny almost, you know, their uh, feminine like ass and their uh, <laughs> little bishop in a turtleneck. <laughs> so uh, now having that separated, they have to embrace uh, one side of themselves where they're just like, okay, I may not be fully comfortable like this, but it's what people uh, see me most as. And these are what, you know, quote unquote, could be my best qualities. Also operating in that framework, it's almost like adapting Aristophanes' myth to base to a more heteronormative society, which is funny because Aristophanes' myth is very like, it's pretty gay. It's pretty open to be, it, it, it validates gay people. You know, it doesn't account for like asexuality, transsexualism, or like uh, intersex people, but it's like pretty gay, <laughs> like, 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 that, like that, that, that myth oh, hey, you can't be gay. So that means that we're all androgynous halves. And like, oh, well, I'm not female enough. Let me just own it. And, and for the record, Hedvig does own it. It's almost this drag persona she owns. 13 Moons doesn't really channel this this idea, but it does in a roundabout way because so it gets people throughout cultures. We look for other halves. You complete me. And it's almost like we mm-hmm. almost need another person to, you know, to fulfill who we are individually. Which yeah. I've been victim of that mindset. You know, Thirteen Moons. I feel like that's what it, what's going on there. Irvin Weishaupt becomes Elvira Weishaupt in in Year Thirteen Moons, much like Hansel becomes Hedvig in Hedvig and the Angry Inch. And basically, they they both get a sex change so they can match with their like 
suspected lover. Yeah. And it's like Elvira's trying to find like 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 her other half, but it's almost like we have to like do this on heteronormative ter- terms and it, it, it's self-hating. And, and you know, people nowadays may be a little bit more critical to the the idea of like transitioning for love narratives, which I guess you could kind of see in uh what what's that Almodovar film also a uh, Law of Desire. Law of Desire, yeah, where basically she she transitioned to basically um be closer to her lover and father. <laughs> Same person. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the the heteronormative idea of romance that like permeates, you know, both of these both these films. The idea that it's homophobia on the part of like you know the narrative that informs this uh, this messed up idea yes. of love, um, and the you know the idea that uh, Hedwig has to become a woman in order to be with this guy. And same, same with uh, Elvira's case, you know, she has to, uh, because guys can't be with guys, you, ha- you have to be a woman, you have to fit the the model of romance that society is uh, implicated right. in but, us. But, but critics nowadays would say that you, you shouldn't tell that kind of narrative because it kind of stigmatizes tran- trans people. The idea of just like, uh, transitioning and regretting it, or well, th- th- there's that, or kind of like it, it, it creates stereotypes about trans people where they're all they're all just like lost and, and they're all just transitioning and they're not authentically trans. That that they are, you know, trans women are at the end of the day gay men who are repressed and you know society for you know puts this on people and this is what trans folks nowadays are saying. Well, it's like kind of a ridiculous argument because like every single film, it's not like oh someone transitions. And then they end up regretting it because it's their own want and desire. That all kind of stems from like the fact that other people are putting it onto them. Like you, you could look at a film like you know Hedwig. This isn't their first want. They're like thinking, oh, we can disguise as uh, I can disguise myself as a woman. But they're like, no, you can you can take a piece of yourself away. Um, or uh, or fucking I don't know something like Sleepaway Camp where it's put on by their parents. Yes, but at the same time, Elaine and, and Vivian, I think like. Well, the reason why people find this contentious is because nowadays trans folks are trying to say that, you know, we can't, uh, we can't, we shouldn't be telling this kind of story because it adds to the, the stigma against trans people where they're saying that parents are doing this to kids, where we are like forcefully transitioning people. Which, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> But but that's kind of like where we're at and, and why people are I think if it I think if it's stigmatizing anything, it's stigmatizing uh surgery, um and like, you know, mm-hmm. su- surgical transition. Um like Hedvig especially, because the the whole origin of her angry inch uh is that her operation got botched, kind of leaving her like, you know, in the middle, uh, if you will. And Well, the whole point of that is like it's done in a society that kind of con- condemns the idea of transitioning, and they have to go to like some back alley doctor who probably doesn't even have a proper medical degree in, in Hedvig. In yeah. Hedvig, um, yeah. to get the surgery. But like in reality, if you get like trained professionals to do this shit um, for you, then it's going to be perfectly fine. You're going to have like you know not really like it's gonna it's gonna be something that makes you feel like okay, I'm I can feel okay with my body. I feel perfectly fine but in like you know situations where that's not available no shit you're just gonna get like a fucking slab of meat in between your legs it's this it's the same thing with like abortion people are like oh we need to outlaw abortion because it's causing people to regret not having kids but the people who actually need abortions they're most likely gonna have to get like coat hanger abortions if it's not readily available so it's the same thing with transness it's ultimately trying to uh uh like serve a good but ultimately that good is gonna just cause 
more harm because it's not done professionally. It's yeah, just done the, on the, sheer it, ignorance. I, I think that like a lot of the people like specifically that target like Hedvig in this argument, they don't consider the fact that, hey, the reason why she doesn't get a good transition surgery is because this is East Berlin. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is East Berlin in and during the time of the Berlin Wall, for fuck's sake. I would also, uh, I, I find yeah. this also very interesting, but in the year of 13 moons was West Berlin. So we're getting kind of the idea of what transness is during that time. Yep. And the fact that we're depicting uh, East Berlin in a Hedwig kind of showcases the contrast the between the, the duality, the duality of, of the sides because the access to, to certain goods. And, 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 and like it or not, surgery can be a ultimately just in general healthcare. It's a luxury that the richer you are, the more you can do, the more you can stay alive. Exactly. The more you can, the more that you can customize your body to your liking and so on. The better pussy you can buy. To, to backtrack just a little bit, I, the one thing that I'll say, people really need to stop looking at films through the, their own oppressor's eyes. You, no matter what you do, homophobes, transphobes included, are going to find something to use against you. Always. It doesn't matter what story you're telling they're good because they all see us as these sick pedophile freaks. And yeah. the way that I see it, if you look at the individual context of Hedwig and the Angry Inch in the year 13 moons and sleepaway camp, they're more nuanced than people give credit. Oh it, yeah. You know, it, Very like, much. Like, it's like, here's the thing when it comes to like surgery and all that, like, like there's more to it than what people give credit. It, it's it's yeah. like, oh, it's stigmatizing surgery. Well, it's like, first of all, Hedwig doesn't want to get the surgery, but then what well, is the coerced transition a thing? Well, look at it from this angle. Uh, I guess in uh, the skin I live in also it falls into this camp. Yeah. Is basically, it's like, the way that transphobes want kids to be is basically, they force transition people all the time, as in force people, coerce people to be cisgender you know, to be openly kind of normal. Gender is inflicted upon everybody. Well, it's not even just like coercion in like the fact of the parenting, it's societal coercion. Yep. People don't even fucking realize this, but like the the smallest amount of detail in something is coercion. Like you could uh, showcase like, I don't know, a, a toy that a child could be interested in. Um, and like, let's say a girl is interested in like, I don't know, some act, dumb action figure of like a Marvel character or something. And a parent could be like, no, it's not, that's not allowed for you. It's, uh, it's made for boys. So you're just like discouraged from playing with that. So they make toys that are just built for girls to play with. It's down to even color. They'll force it. So I feel like when it comes to the films, like the skin I live in, in a year, 13 minutes, Hedwig and the Grange, things like that, sleepaway camp, either directly or indirectly are commenting on how society forces gender on people. And it's just doing that through the inverse. And, and, you know, transphobes are complaining that, you know, that, affirmative parents are doing this but all of them are not being affirmative to their kids and their gender expression or whatever and and they just want to continue to divide men and women the more thoughtful affirmative parents are, are kind of more like no it's all bullshit let kids do what they want to do and if they change if they change their mind so be it this is their time for experimentation this is their time for you know uh adjusting things and and you know we look at something like Hedwig the Angry Inch, you know, Hansel wants to escape. He wants to escape his, you know, his society. So he becomes a woman, so to speak. And that's coerced. But there is some, like, autonomy in that choice, too. Yeah, Hansel, Hansel wants love. That's ultimately Hedwig's yeah. whole thing, is wants love. And uh, uh, Elvira, too. Uh, both of these, yes. both of these women, it's about their 
desperation for love for another half uh because that's you know they've been you know they what they've been conditioned to uh to think of yeah to want and um with with regard to like surgery and surgeries and whatnot the stigma uh around like the idea of forcing gender onto yeah like you're saying you gender is a universal affliction it is something that is enforced upon everybody like everybody like no exceptions it's enforced upon everybody and so these characters in order to uh get obtain the love and the romance uh that they desire that they've been taught to desire by society by this dangerous uh aristophanes type myth of other halves uh they have to they have gender forced upon them they 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 want to be with these with these men because you know they're into men but so they need to be women for it and really yeah i, I like the comparison to uh elaine's comparison to uh the way that like gendered products uh are forced yeah. upon are forced upon kids comparing that to coerced gender surgery you know commercialism consumerism i should say is kind of like mm-hmm. what what our lives are built upon exactly consumerism and, yeah and i would also like to say that um into year 13 moons also has a more uh graphic and disgusting uh depict like a metaphor for what this is depicted as in like the cow slaughter scene because basically you know gender kind of is an affliction that we're supposed to be put down this one narrow way in society and we're supposed to stick to it until, you know, our death is how we're supposed to be raised and bred. And it uses the cow slaughter scene to essentially showcase that they just want you go down, traveling down a linear path. You're going to be, you're going to die one day and you're just going to live something that is completely meaningless. You are just living inauthentically. You are a slab of meat that is going to be turned into product to sell more of this lie, more of false idea of something signing up to basically be butchered in a way well it's not even signing up because the animal themselves that they're showcasing was just bred in this kind of society Uh and just this kind of a function of capital and consumerism and production that is meant for you to uh just be brought up this way to be slaughtered and then just to be you know paraded around and just be sold like just you're nothing people who are depressed there's this inevitability of like almost like something tragic happening especially with like the actual 13 moons metaphor the the scene with the cow slaughter i also see that as like there's a direct lineage in alvira's life specifically of self-sacrifice the ultimate Mm self-sacrifice you know sacrificing one's own like native gender in this case their 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 genitals what default what you know for the sake of their lover you know, I see that that cow slaughter scene, I see that as a metaphor for the transition itself. Mm-hmm. And which is like a brutal, and <laughs> bold kind of statement. But it, it, there's a scene where there's a scene before she breaks down and cries and is comforted by Zora, where she's like at the arcade and she sees a guy and, and one of the guys calls her, um, tells her to fuck off and calls her a cow. And she's wearing this like white dress with like a black spot. It's not incidental. Ooh. I didn't. I missed that. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not incidental, and, and and I think that there's like there's it's almost like you know this person, this person specifically, you know, they give up themselves. And it's 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 their downfall, you know. And one could say, oh well, that's transphobic because you know it's saying that you know there's a direct path from transition to death, and it's mm-hmm. like okay, I I I can see where you're coming from, but look at it this way: what we do. What cis people do, there's this huge emphasis on self-sacrifice in their lives. Mm-hmm. I know because I've 
lived it before. Any sexual or gender deviance that they may have, they, they repress it. They, they, they store it up inside and they discard it. They don't want to be gay. They don't want to be trans. And because ultimately what, what shows them strength in their mind is to sacrifice all that. To be the most manly man they can be, or most womanly woman. To anybody who's not seen any year of Thirteen Moons, the the, the scene that we, we've been talking about is a scene set in a slaughterhouse. It is very very brutal, and if you're if you're someone who is sensitive to animal violence and whatnot on screen, it's unsimulated. Yeah, it's unsimulated, and it is really brutal. I had a very difficult time watching it, but yeah, just 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 to just to be aware of that. Um but uh as far as like mutilation, I love the word mutilation because it very much it describes what happens to these uh, these two women in in these movies. And both of both cases are changing oneself, um literally mutilating one's flesh for the sake of love. It's about love. It's to be loved and accepted and uh, to meet the standards of other people. I, I am harshly critical of, uh, societal views about romance, especially the, the idea that, the idea of soulmates and the idea that mm-hmm. pe- people are, that we are in any way incomplete. You accept yourself or you don't accept yourself. You find happiness or you don't. You sacrifice or you, you know, embrace who you are. And I think in the past, I've kind of like intuitively just kind of passively adopted the mentality of the soulmate mentality of like oh hey this person you know they're of their they're of the opposite sex i don't know if you'd still say that but you know at the time it's like you know i'm a man this person's a woman i should be with them i should build a relationship with them this is how we complete each other and the way that the reason why this relationship isn't working out is because i'm not being male enough you know i'm not i'm not being you know, uh, assertive and, and kind of more dominating. I'm being more passive, and and, and that's the problem. And that's and that's my mentality that I, that I went with it. And I think that a lot of people have had this mentality of like mm-hmm. of like fulfilling these like these like gender roles that that are kind of like forced upon them, even if it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that like you know you could either give into what you're sacrificing and basically just fucking kill yourself in the mm-hmm. end, or yeah. You can just embrace it. Let the world accept you for, for who you are. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about In the Year of 13 Moons and Hedwig is I feel like they're almost polar contrasts of each other yep. in terms of like, you know, obviously the narrative, but also just like the way they embrace uh, or view like the idea of gender nonconformity. Um, because in Hedwig, it's seen as like the ultimate end goal. It's just like you don't need to be a part of any form of like gender or like sexuality or like sex of that matter since you know their genitals got mutilated so what the fuck are they who doesn't fucking matter they are literally genderless or or sexless i guess you could say so you kind of just like all right it's okay to live sexless you don't have to be bound by anything in the year of 13 moons it's they view uh gender nonconformity as almost like something to be afraid of they don't know how to understand it because um they are viewing themselves oh i need to present myself in a predominantly feminine way and by the end of the film, they are like trying to transition back into being traditionally masculine. Okay, thinking I can fit here, I can fit here. You have to fit one way or the oh, other. And I like how they're laughed at by their oh, masculine conformity. They're <laughs> laughed at by that, and they're also judged for being, you know, they're they're judged from the very beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. they were they're being judged ju- from the very beginning of the film where they're kind of like. Or, or, or posing as a man or re- I, I found that so fascinating the 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 idea that she boy moded to uh hire 
sex worker because she just needs to be touched and it's you know it's 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 easier doing that as you know uh you know boy moding up um because she wants Mm -hmm. a man she wants a man to touch her and that's it's sad as fuck but uh it's 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 very interesting because gender is it's a costume um Mm -hmm. hedwig also plays into this and uh it's definitely of its time in the fact that, you know, non-binary is definitely being embraced more so than it ever has been in this day and age. But I feel like back then, it's almost like they don't even, they well, can't, the even, they can't even see it as an option for themselves. They can't see themselves as embracing something that is uh, both male and uh, female at the same time. I mean, nowadays we have films like Titan, which is literally about... It's a trans mask movie. Like, it is... I would say it's more, I wouldn't say it's trans mask movie. I would say it's more so a non-binary film because there are scenes where they want to be trans mask, but they're also embracing things about femininity that off put someone. It's like, how could you be a man and still embrace this or that or this or that? And in the year of 13 moons, I feel like I have to go all in one thing or all in the other. And in my personal experience transitioning, I felt that, oh shit, now I, now I have to be a woman. I have to give up the things that I previously enjoyed that were considered masculine. Um, and just hearing a lot of people talk about it and like, yeah, I felt like I needed to give up a lot of things at first. And it inspired the idea of detransitioning. Oh, I have to give up this thing about myself. I have to give up this thing about myself. Oh, so how do we live our lives? You know, not needing to like constantly rip and tear and basically rip each other, rip ourselves apart and like put ourselves back together until we can like feel whole or not really feel like we need to give up anything up, anything up about ourselves. And in the year of 13 moons, it's just like, they can't see that as an option. And it's yeah. quite devastating. And that's kind of like what, like, I think like euphoria was like, kind of like, oh, yeah, touching on is basically like, you know, the, the, this character is being hyper feminine and, and trying to conquer femininity and femininity conquers her. And like, and, and I watched like that show, like at the exact right time. And, and it kind of like, hey, I think I'm doing this somewhat. It's, it's okay to be masculine. It's okay to be... like I think, like, if you're trans and you're listening to this, I, I think, like, my message to you is this. Be yourself and, and, and try to form yourself according to, like, what you want for yourself. And, and I think that sometimes people are compelled to go extra feminine. And I'm, I'm just going to say it, and I've said this kind of in my video on Hedvig, is that I think that transition surgery, as in, like, you know, vaginoplasty or, or, or phalloplasty... Genital reassignment is what was what I call it. That is something that sometimes I feel like trans people feel compelled to do because they think uh-huh. at the end of the day, some of yep. them and don't get me wrong, some of them they been they do benefit greatly from it. Their mental health, a- absolutely, trans healthcare of all kinds, it should be normalized, not stigmatized, accepted, affordable, but. You know, even in a society that validates non-binary people, I feel like we're still kind of at this weird middle ground of like, oh, you're trans. Let me make you, if that's the case, let me help you out. Let me help you out and be extra feminine, you you know? Mm -hmm. And, and and I think sometimes, I mean, I've had this thought before too, is, is like, do I want a vaginoplasty? Do I want a sex change? And I think that at this point in time, I'm okay with not having a vagina. Maybe in the future, I'll reconsider. I, I, the option is open. Yeah. And I feel like, Ultimately, at the end of the day, we need to we need to live in a uh, a world that finally gets the notion in their thick skulls that women with cocks are a part of nature, men with vaginas and tits are a part of nature. It's okay if they want or don't want these attributes about themselves. They can have them if they want, 
or they can not have them if they don't want. Mm-hmm. But, but, then, but then also, I think everybody should question where are these wants and desires coming from? Are they coming from what we naturally want? Or is it just what we want in order to fit in? Is it what society is telling us that we want? And I think I've definitely been pushed in the direction of, oh, so you're going to get like a sex change eventually, right? Yeah, the, I don't the know traditional I want... uh, question to ask a trans person is, uh, uh, when, you, when are you going to get your, uh, your was it vaginoplasty? Or uh, so what was it like losing your penis? And and to be honest, for for a while, when I was kind of like shutting out the gay part of me, I, you know, when it came to like transitioning, I, I didn't think I was trans because I didn't know that you could be trans without getting the, you know, without transitioning, you know, like genital reassignment. Oh, and, same here. Yeah. And that's kind of what like put off my transition for a while because there's a I, lot of different reasons why I... Yeah, I explicitly remember growing up. I didn't even realize hormone replacement with therapy was a thing. Until right. So then the mindset is then like in order yeah. to be a woman, you have to snip, snip. Yeah, basically. With regards to surgery, um, they should be free and available to 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 everybody. They should be free and available. Absolutely. Just period. Um, but to any to anyone who like because I was one of those who was I'm not going to say deceived, but uh, I was conditioned to want. Uh, to want uh, a, a vaginoplasty um, because I because I you know I thought that's what that's what one has to do to be a woman uh, the right way um, to be a trans woman the right way um, and it wasn't until I got away from uh, the the ex of mine who kind of uh, imposed that on me that I you know realized no I don't want this fucking surgery because um, one it's better today it's safer today um, but it's still can be very, like I've met a lot of uh, met a lot of uh, neo vaginas, and sometimes they're uh, a lot. Many times they require like continuous surgical maintenance uh, and whatnot. And that's <sighs> it's like basically what I'd want to say to the to to the transes listening, especially the trans women. Um, like if you want to get gender confirmation surgery of any kind, try to try to understand where that desire comes from, uh, and similar to uh to the way i feel about about you know my voice uh it's the same way i feel about my voice as i feel about my dick um <laughs> is that i don't need to voice train to sound like uh, a woman um i don't need to get my get my dick inverted to 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 be like a woman fuck what society says women are supposed to be like us as trans women are the proof Women just women can have dicks. Women can have deep voices, and that's just that's just normal. That's that's fine. Um, yeah, there the the social conditioning uh, for with regards to uh, gender surgery is something that we don't think about enough because there is also an aspect of privilege about it. Um, because yeah, if you mm-hmm. if those uh those cases where they've required their you know neo vaginas required a lot of maintenance and uh more surgeries to 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 deal with they're the ones who had less money uh and who were were unable yep. to afford mm-hmm. the best possible because and that's that's not something you can you you want to do cheap like fuck that if Edward's anything to go off about that do we really want to sacrifice our penises do we want to spend so much money and and time and energy and and and, and time of bed rest to to basically recover from these surgeries and get and get all this maintenance you know it's 
all to be in relative alignment with like the traditional sex-based standards that your cisgender oppressors have for you. Yeah, the the there's one of the uh, trans women um, I know who, for years, for years, very vocally uh, trying to raise money for surgery for vaginoplasty, and then she finally got it, and now she does little more than complain about how uh, difficult it's been, how how you know it, it sucks. It's it's a, it's a and that's a thing. That's that's a that's a thing. It's it's not a point we want to concede to our enemies on. Um, because, you know, they shouldn't be conceded to, but... Right, if it's somebody something... wants to get a sex change, they should be allowed to, but we should just ask... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, but you should always just, we should also ask, like, do you actually want to, or is this just what you're wanting to, in order to fit in more? Because, exactly. like, because, like, unless you're, like, a porn actress, or, like, just naked a lot of the times for some reason, you're... In everyday society, when you're not having sex... You pass with or without a dick. Oh, absolutely. Or you don't pass with or without a dick. Yep. I mean, I, don't, I think passing doesn't shouldn't even fucking matter. It's just like a societal thing that has been uh, perpetuated a lot. It's like, oh, do you pass? Do you fit as a girl? And I'm like, I've had. Who doesn't? It doesn't fucking matter because gender and sex. Are right. Like I, right. I've had people like come up to me at bars, for example, and ask, and and, and they just tell me. You know, you pass really well. Well, one, it's, one. If they tell me that, that means I'm not passing. And two, um, <laughs> thank you. What? Are you, are you, oh, that's that. Uh, that's so good to know that I don't look as ugly as other trans people. Give me a break. Exactly. That that's I I don't yeah. I don't want to hear that because not to say that sometimes I try to socialize just to see if I can. I can, and now that I know that I can, I don't try to. Exactly. Like like, like and that's kind of so, so 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 that's when it comes to passing, but also like. You know, if you're if you want to get a sex change, uh, because you have a certain like preference in sexual intercourse, you should ask yourself if like the people that you're sleeping with, they don't deserve you if they have a problem with it. If they can't like overlook it or or, or try to accommodate you, you know, like if, if they want to have sex with you before the operation, should you now get the operation just for that? No. Yeah. Exactly. What's wrong with being trans? Like, there's there, there's there's nothing wrong with being trans. And you should accept that. At the same time, you know, people, this might be controversial to say just because right now, transphobes, you know, they're, they're trying to strip that away from us. They're trying to strip away our rights to, you know, pursue surgical or, you know, hormone replacement, all of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But also, I think they also need to realize that we're still going to exist even without these stripped away. I'm just going to say this as a you know, proud strand person. I love my fucking cock. I love my cocking. T- I love my fucking <laughs> testicles. You know what? I'm a trans person. I can proudly say that. I love your and, cock uh, and testicles also. Exactly. And I just want to say this. Uh, if you're a trans person and is unsure about the surgery, yeah, you can keep your genitalia if you like. If it, It's all up to you. It's all up to how you feel comfortable with yourself. And if you feel uncomfortable that me, a woman, or non-binary, whatever the fuck you want to consider me, has a cock in the first place, well, you can just bend down and suck it for all I care. Because I'm <laughs> keeping this fucking thing. Yeah. And, like, to to address the, the, the our enemies, I guess you could say, um, gender fascists, what what they're doing, they, they want to restrict our autonomy. And, uh, especially in the case of young people, they're, they're all always, always doing it for the children, to protect the children, to, from, you know, getting this stuff done to them, even though they are the ones who are 
imposing gender and enforcing it uh on you know children and on on you know everyone but like but yeah so i i i want to make it clear when we're talking about uh surgery just transition related things like this we're not saying that any of the gender fascists are right about anything they say about about surgeries they try to attack you by coming in through different doors of the house like there's not any internal consistency with how they attack but they try to optimize their attack and So, like, you just have to fucking embrace what you have or, or what you want in, mm-hmm. at, you know, for yourself, your sexual preferences, your uh, your gender preferences. And, and and I think that that's something that you have to, you know, be on guard about. You know, you have to understand, like, the ways in which people attack you. But at the same time, we have to be allowed to talk about these things. I ha- like like as a trans person, I shouldn't have to yeah. shut my mouth about the fact that I um, have skepticism personally about getting a vaginoplasty. Oh yeah. Even 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 if I sometimes yeah. do consider it in the future, you know, and I I think that like I should be allowed to to think about these things and discuss these things. And I think that people should also be allowed to discuss, yeah. you know, like their own preferences and that includes genital preferences and stuff, so long as it's done in a way that's number 1 good faith, number 2 not rooted in bigotry, and number th- and number 3 in a way that actually fosters an inclusive environment Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day i'm not i have absolutely no interest in kind of like speaking for other people beyond people who are afraid to speak that have shared the same sentiments that i have you know yeah another thing to think about regarding surgery is uh, and and not not just vaginoplasties. I'm talking about uh, in particular FFS facial feminization surgery because that's one that I have like legitimately considered for myself and legitimately wanted at at, at some point. Um, but we have to remember all surgical knives are held by capitalism. And uh, I think in 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 the case of like facial feminization surgery, for instance, there are a limited number there are only so many surgeons who do that versus Mm -hmm. the faces we have just you know naturally which are unique that doesn't make or break womanhood or manhood it it Mm -hmm. can alleviate like dysphoria you know and and, but sometimes hormones are good enough and sometimes just like a, oh, cha- yeah. a change in expression identification is also many needs. And I think it's important to know that transness comes in different forms. And mm-hmm. one thing that I take umbrage with with some trans people is them speaking on behalf of everybody that's trans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And like, I've seen this actually for like the films that we're talking about, Hedvig and any other 13 minutes. Like, oh, this, you know, Elvira, this isn't how a trans Oof. woman acts. This isn't how, this isn't, this isn't how a real trans woman acts. This isn't how. You know, Hedwig, this isn't how a real trans woman acts. And I'm just thinking, like, I what does that mean? I remember back when I first watched Hedwig, I didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it for many reasons. One, I watched it on a plane. And two, I was in a relationship that I was, uh, in hindsight, uh, not really treated the best in. That kind of probably caused more repression than anything else. Um, it, it led me to not entirely understand the film, but having watched it a second and third time. And I understand it even more and more because I, I see myself as slowly turning into someone who is gender nonconforming at this point. So yeah, it's just like, it's just straight up. You just didn't get the fucking movie and not every trans person's experience is going to be the same as your own. I've had a film that was uh, criticized for not really uh, embracing the entirety of what, you know, the feeling of dysphoria is like, but I'm like, yeah, it's going to be different for everybody. 
and I'm completely convinced all of the criticism or at least a good chunk of it all stems from the production um, just like the quality of the cameras and whatnot and the the fucking title I'm genuinely convinced it's just from that it's like if I called it like memories of masturbation or something like that I don't know Um, it would have gotten it would have been like oh okay the the title is dysphoria yeah it's and it's on uh YouTube I believe uh if y'all want to check that out all all of uh Elaine's films are y'all should go check those out yeah and people like are very like adamant about like something correctly reflecting their experience but it's like some trans critics basically are arguing for nothing they yeah. they don't actually want it's like they want representation but nothing will actually please them it's mm-hmm. and, and and by the way you know people say oh you know these movies they're they're by cis people explaining things um mm-hmm. incorrectly okay well, <laughs> one nope john cameron mitchell and stephen trask they both they both came out as non-binary who in the world could have ever guessed i know it's like the same thing with boys don't cry yep. like, oh, they didn't pierce much. Yeah, and I would also like to say, like, uh, people, when it comes to uh, these kind of narratives and just like, oh, it doesn't reflect my experience. It's like, well, let's say there's a film about immigration or something that isn't about that is about someone's completely unique experience. I don't think you're going to see someone complain about, oh, this experience with immigration. It doesn't adhere to what I experienced as, you know, someone right. coming from that background myself or and so it's like. What's the problem with transness? Well, trans, What's the problem with like it's because not tra- depicting? It's because the vocal trans people on the internet are very much speaking from a place of where they want everything to be about themselves, mm-hmm. ego and privilege. There is there is so much like I- insertion of self for John Cameron Mitchell. Knowing knowing what little I know about their like you know a background, there is they put so much of themselves into Hedwig and Hedwig's story and. Fassbender as well, because like I, like I said, Fassbender is a was a bisexual trans. Fassbender put himself in his movies, and it makes sense, especially in regard to Year of Thirteen Moons, because you know he was known for some, he was known as someone who had a lot of relationships that were all very miserable, very you know shitty, very. He was someone who psychologically mutilated himself and others out of love. You know, out of in in pursuit of uh, of love and wanting, you know, completion. I think it shows a lot of himself in the way, like you know, how he views trans, and it's almost kind of like he it's something he wants to achieve but doesn't know how because you know, like we discussed earlier, the film kind of is viewing non-binary or like anything that isn't like you know all femme or all mask is like oh how could that exist? Um, but I also think the film kind of showcases like maybe if I embrace this, it'll only lead to death because. Throughout the entire film, there's notions and omens of death um, throughout it. Um, there's the, uh, you know, the cow slaughter, which we talked about earlier. There's the scene where the man hang him- hangs himself for seemingly no reason. It's oh just my god, the, that's, that, oh god, that scene got me. Elvira <laughs> observing it. And I think the one that stuck out to me was, uh, there's that conversation between Zora and that one gay guy. Um, and they were talking about how they view Elvira as being like, maybe they have like a gender or maybe they're not conforming to it. And the music being played in the background is Frankie Teardrop by the band Suicide. And if you don't know, it's a 14 minute long song. And the song is about a man who works in a factory and cannot make enough money to feed his wife and child and is getting evicted. So he get makes a decision to kill both of his infant child and his wife and then he starts screaming and kills himself and then goes to hell 
and di- and like is subjected to eternal damnation. And this is over the scene where they're talking about this. The significance of the music in both of these films. Fassbender, amazing uses of needle drops in his films. Like I said, Frankie Teardrop. I think he uses Roxy music as well. Yeah, yeah, he uses Roxy music. Also in Berlin Alexander Platt, which I view as a very trans text. It, it uses Velvet Underground's Candy Says. And it's like, it's the most <laughs> fucking odd. Like to me, yeah. when I rewatched that, I was like, oh, this is trans. Well, going going through, you know, continuing with Lou Reed, um, they talk about, in Hedwig, they talk about how Hansel was really touched by the songs of, uh, you know, kind of like this glam rock era, you know, David Bowie. But it seems like the most, the one they gravitated most towards was uh, uh, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed. And, you know, and that song is about, you know, this trans, uh, I forget who in particular it was, but it's this trans woman living in kind of like the underground art life with like, you know, in that Andy Warhol scene. And, uh, and Lou Reed, uh, he loved trans people. And, you know, that was a lot of people in that kind of Andy Warhol scene. And I'm pretty sure he loved to sleep with a bunch of trans women as well. He is at the very least a chaser. In the Vela Underground documentary, they keep it kind of vague, but they talk about this thing that Lou kind of went through and almost like either conversion or he just went through like this intense therapy where he's, I think he was struggling with like gay thoughts or like being gay himself. And oh, so he they was said, trans too. I, oh yeah. Yeah. Lou Reed, Lou Reed was trans. Also the woman's, the woman's name is Candy Darling. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. which, which, and she played in this, uh, Andy Warhol and Paul Morrissey, like film called, uh, Women in Revolt, uh, w- Women in Revolt, which is great. Great movie. Mm-hmm. We should cover that on this, uh, on the we podcast. We probably sometime. will. Yeah. Oh yeah. What about Flesh? You should Oh, yeah, I haven't seen Flesh. I haven't seen Flesh either. On the topic of the music, I think like ultimately like in Hedvig, Hedvig basically like like sacrifices like so much of her, but it's through her music that she's able to carry on in a Mm -hmm. way. And then at the end, you know, when she sees like Tommy in 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 that like the empty like stage, and you know, there's a blue the blue light and a red light. It's almost like this is like the the dualism of their own character because they view themselves as like this is my other half, and eventually. You know, that mm-hmm. person steps out of that that spotlight and the voice, the song leaves his mouth and is now part of her. And mm-hmm. now she is becoming whole. Yeah. Now, Elvira, I would argue, hasn't become whole. Um, Absolutely. And, not. And, and, and I think, honestly, if anything, I think that, that there's, you know, this person like suffers from depression, something to note and that I didn't really catch so much before. But there's actually quite an emphasis on. Elvira is no longer thriving. That there was a point of time where she was apparently a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and she let herself go. Really, that's just like it's just like normal heterosexuals. You know, we see it all the time. It, it, she so she let herself go. You know, gaining weight was kind of just a reflection of of, of like self hatred and self loathing and stuff. You know, detransitioning is what she started doing, kind of when she realized that, oh, she's not actually going to be with the person that she wanted to be with, the person that kind of, like, made her go down this path in the first place in a way. And and so she detransitions, but it's detransitioning that she actually ends up killing herself. Mm-hmm. She doesn't find anything yeah. else to live. So I do wonder if there was yeah. a point in time. They, they do point to a time before where it almost seems like she was at one point thriving as a trans woman, that she mm-hmm. was beautiful, you know, in everybody's yeah. eyes. And maybe... She, Maybe she wasn't on the inside, but I do wonder if she should view this person as like a trans woman or not. It's it's not womanhood that failed her or that she failed at. It's love that failed her. Mm-hmm. And the uh, th- thing with regard to the the music uh, and the scene with at the end with Tommy, like I 
so, some a little bit of the lyrics just like really touched me and kind of reflected the whole like idea of what is uh there's no mystical design no cosmic lover pre-assigned there's nothing there's nothing you can find that cannot be found because with all the changes you've been through it seems a stranger's always you and that that got to me and and it's like it's self-love yeah but mm. it's also about how how we need to reevaluate and reorganize reconfigure our feelings about things about what we view as love what we view as gender how we view ourselves in conjunction with somebody else and in conjunction with god if god doesn't accept queerness god is obsolete and that's kind of like what i think mm. that hedwig's ultimately yeah. going for you know and you know there's nothing up in the sky but air yeah that's that that's it, it's exactly. it's this atheistic catharsis yeah. and i think that sometimes you know she, you know she may be kind of like looking more toward like esoteric kind of like paganism and instead of christianity that her mother kind of like you know condemned but she still ultimately is trying to f- replace that framework and i think that even society as a whole you know as god failed society and society kind of started moving past god we almost just tried to you know adopt christianity and other religions and, and kind of like just ad- adapt it to society and just kind of like strive for liberal humanism and it just kind of like ate us up that we the truth is we have to reorganize the way we think about things the way that we understand objective order truth you know and and i think that that that's what Mm -hmm. this film is ultimately going for and i think even like even in earth or two moons ultimately you know we we are depressed we were left depressed germany has failed oh yeah this character is kind of like they they were kind of raised like by nuns and almost with this like mentality that they are like aryan or whatever mm-hmm. and and who do they fall for they not only fall for a man but also they, they they fall for a jew there's like there's this dynamic this almost this interplay with how like you know the german people kind of like respond to jewish people following the war and i think that if anything like what it's saying is like we must surrender power which is ironic because fassbender was very much like how you very much like controlled people in unfavorable ways he was very much like a political paradox in a way another thing to consider with regards to the the transness um in germany uh was you know, for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, 1920s, the teens and the 20s in Berlin, Berlin was one of the hot spots, yep. uh, one of the, the queer trans capitals of the world. And it was the Nazis that trans women and gay men were branded with the same pink triangles and sent to the same, same camps. Um, and that's, that's just, that's, that's another thing that just kind of, uh, uh, in the back of my mind, just informed the way I was uh, viewing Elvira and her, you know. Well, you, you almost you almost have to. Like, it's kind of like, at one point of time, you know, like, Germany was making progress. Hirschfeld, you know, the the Institute of Sexology, it was the first transgender clinic in uh, Germany, and, and they were performing surgeries. There's enough of demand. They were performing surgeries on trans women and men. And, you know, hey, yeah, it, they, they recognized non-binary people. The not, the, one of the biggest book burnings in Berlin was that institute. I guess the, the, the story goes that the first person to get genital reassignment surgery, Dora Richter, was killed by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. and that same attack, they wanted to wipe us out, and you know they were burnt. They burned us to ashes. There's this uh, silent film called Different from the Others. The institute kind of worked mm-hmm. with filmmakers to create kind of PSAs about like sex, sexual education, and that. one of them was about this. Uh, 
gay man that was being blackmailed by somebody that was exploiting like laws because that's something that was very prevalent then Mm -hmm. and basically that film also functions as this like protest against homophobia this educational tool to kind of inform people about gay and trans people and there were some other films and a lot of them were burned by the nazis Mm -hmm. you know different from the others barely survives you know like I, i feel like almost like in order to really talk about german history and relationship to transness you know, even Hedvig, even Hedvig and Any Earth or Two Minutes are different from the others. All these films, you, you can't separate Nazi Germany from these films, like and, and kind oh, of and, and, and the history behind it. That is the context. We can't escape that. Yeah. And I think that's also why In the Year of Thirteen Moons probably has the con- like has the context of queerness equals death with like all those omens throughout oh, the entire mm-hmm. film. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned how like the the cow slaughter scene is like uh, kind of like about. The transition. Well, there's another thing that 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 it's also about. Yep. That is the Holocaust. You know. Yeah. Jews know that they're going to die. Queers know that they're going to die. Yeah. And we repurpose into commodities, just like this is what Nazis did to um, Jewish people. You know, use their skin, made lampshades yep. out of out of human Jewish e- people, human experimentation and, of Jews, and you know, and then you know that inspired. Key- then to, to track this lineage, you know, that inspired like um, Eggin to kind of like uh, copy off of the Nazis, and then we get into this this weird circle Sounds of this, this, you know, this weird circle of kind of like the public perception of like queer people and, and kind of and, and the role of Nazis, and it, it is yeah. cyclical. Nazis, you know, they're the ones who like you know exercise power. Something that was pointed out to me recently, um, it might have been a comment on uh, one of our, our last episode. James Gum, Buffalo Bill, uh, has swastikas in in, in their play. In, and yep. the, the whole oh, yeah. like gay Nazis, gay Nazi fetish, that, like that's a thing. Kenneth Anger, uh, Scorpio Rising. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. Fucking hate that people pretend that. Uh, that shit doesn't exist because yeah, it's real. They fucking exist. It, 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 it's a thing. We get like right wing queers too. Mm-hmm. We get like kind of like we yeah. get kind of like diet fascists like like Blair White and stuff. You know, speaking and kind of like yeah. as like as like the right wing yeah. token like kind of a uh, token trans. Yeah, basically the token tranny. And, like the, the the one of the good ones who they will inevitably slaughter. I feel like people don't want to highlight the negative aspects of trans of transness and that includes people who regret things or people who feel or people who are exercising power on other people people who are predatory and it's like i think i think it says something about how you know we have so many texts that are like this maybe yeah. hey, maybe we should chill out a bit you know yeah um maybe we don't need to make every trans representation so like grim or whatever yeah but i think it says something that even the gay artist fazbender and 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 Mitchell, you know, or like Kenneth Anger and stuff like they, John Waters, you know, like mm-hmm. they are standing in defiance to kind of like our oppressors instead of trying to assimilate into them. Yeah, the 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 thing is, these there there's a reason why so many queer stories throughout like film history uh, have been ones of misery, pain, and death, and the reason that is is because we have been made miserable, we've been hurt, and we've been killed. And that is just, that is how things have been for us. And I I hate the idea that these are not stories we should tell, because, like, we need to see these things happening on screen, because they 
happened. Oh, yeah. Countless people have gone through those experiences that Alvira and Hedwig have gone through, and we need to come to terms with that. And I feel like advocating for them, for us to not have these portrayals, is... It's ignorance. It's a form of erasure. It's pure ignorance. And I, I would even go as far as to say that they shouldn't be covered up because it's still fucking happening. Queer people are still dying every day. I mean, not too long ago... What was her name? I don't want to sound disrespectful. Uh, the trans woman, the kid, trans kid who died. Wait, there was a kid. Well, I Brianna mean, J. Brianna, yeah, Bri- Brianna J. That, there was that people like her um, who were who were murdered by people at their was it people at their school? Was it? Yeah, it was like boys. Yeah, and yeah, to pretend like oh yeah, the queer tragedy. Uh, it should be it's outdated. We don't need to depict it anymore. I I see that as almost like cis normativity trying to be like oh no no no. It's all covered up now. We don't need to focus on this part. We can move past it. And it's yeah. like being infected in our... It's being almost infected that, in our mindsets to not really intake this anymore. Because, like... And that's what allows... Thing that's that, what allows all of the anti-drag bills to pass, all of the anti-trans mm-hmm. legislation. Yep. And it, it's all homophobic. All of it transphobic, too. And that is part of homophobic. We're all enveloped. We're all mm-hmm. pink triangles, you know? Mm-hmm. We're... And that's something that yeah. we have to understand. And, and, and just for context, when we, when we, when when people say things like transgenocide, Gentiles, we're not trying to compare ourselves to the Jews of the Holocaust. We're comparing ourselves so, to, to the, the gays gay of the Holocaust. Yes, we have to understand that like queerness can be a tragedy. We we have to understand that mm-hmm. you know that that's not the only story that we should tell. I, I agree with that, but it's a story that we still need to tell. Exactly. I ju- mm-hmm. I just feel like the idea of like not focusing on it anymore is like oh we've moved past this we we don't need to depict queer people like this like yeah there's still tragedy in everybody's life in some hey i mean it wasn't that long ago that um elaine and i were just walking down the street in california close to la and 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 some people there's some guy that that yelled from his truck just because we kissed they they called us faggots Mm -hmm. this happened just a few days ago yeah and this isn't this that's not even my first time to to supplement the what we're saying about how trans and queer people are still uh heavily persecuted against and we're still killed and hurt and maimed and mutilated and made miserable um i i also i want to point out that uh on at time of recording uh the the day uh june 30th um the supreme court basically said that it's uh it's okay to to discriminate against uh, queer and trans people now. Yeah. People spend way too much time trying to, you know, focus on fucking labels and, and oh, absolutely, and I hate that shit. You're just turning yourself into a further product. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, and not to say there's no utility to some of it. There is, but but we focus so much on things instead of focusing on the fact that we're fucking getting slaughtered. Yeah. We're all fucking gay. Yeah, it's like you know, we're all. We're all in the thin pink line. Yeah. It's also just like conservative media doesn't want anything about uh, complex issues being in the forefront. So it's focused on these smaller kind of like minuscule stories. Dylan and Mulvaney like, and stuff. Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah. Guys. It's fucking absurd. Like people like Dylan Mulvaney, yeah, the Mr. Beast, uh, Chris uh, coming out as trans shit. They're focusing on just like, oh, how could they be uh, uh, influencing the youth with all of their... Uh, horrible, horrible queerness, but it's just let. I'm just gonna say it. Every conservative in America or in the world thinking about this is just leftover Nazism. You are in some way a Nazi in your own fucking headspace, whether you acknowledge it or not. You are a leftover Nazi. Get used to it. 
but at the same time, I'm not just talking about like what conservatives say. I'm talking about what like leftists, you know, liberals and stuff are saying Mm -hmm. when they focus so much on people like about praxis. What's the right way to say things? But let's focus here for a second. Focus on the fact that we're getting slaughtered, that bills are being passed. Oh, that law isn't transphobic. That law is homophobic. We're all fucking gay. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all fucking steers and queers, steers and queers. Yeah, so and queers. Yeah, it works out, but it's like love that, and and I think that that's something that we need to like focus more on. Um, and yeah, I guess if you want like a more of analysis of the songs of Hedvig, I do have a rather lengthy video of that topic. That's why I haven't been talking about it so much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have anything yeah. else that you want to say? From this um, part? Yeah, I uh, I I just a big thing I got from both of these uh is the idea of romance. The our our idea our society's idea of romance it is cis heteronormative and trans people are the ones who suffer the most viscerally from it and that both of these movies kind of uh, demonstrate that both of our, them are about how trans femmes in particular are some of the most unloved and underappreciated women in the world and that fucking sucks. Oh, absolutely. I'd also just like to say the small point that I was thinking of yesterday is even in the art, we just get the bare minimum of just, like, tra- trans representation. I know people were upset at the new Spider-Verse movie for, like, being, like, uh, yeah, oh, gra- oh, vaguely trans, but I'm just, like, I'm gonna ask a question that I don't think you can have an answer for. When was the last movie you ever watched that had a trans woman get their dick sucked? Can't think of anything. That's, that's... I can't either. That's... God, that's fucked. Porn. Yeah, that's but- the closest thing. Porn. <laughs> You've never seen a trans person get their dick sucked you've never seen a man getting eaten out before come on like these are things that need to be depicted in cinema before i hadn't thought of that yeah no, no, no. let me just dial it back a bit i'm not talking about experimental films i'm not talking about uh i'm not talking about porn how often do you see two trans women kissing in a movie none come to mind hell i don't even think there's been a lot of like cis sex and mainstream films recently oh yeah no they're they're de-sexing the fuck out of everything <laughs> literally my, my 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 final word the, th- the thing i got from these these films that i want to convey to audience trans trans people in the audience specifically is that or really anybody who desires love and a romantic relationship above all else you do to be love to be loved to have value you do not need anything else added you don't you don't need anything added to you to complete you you don't need another person to complete you and you don't have to give up part of yourself to do to do so either those are both myths yes Mm -hmm. also i think something that's very important is the sign of you know you've found a good enough person for yourself is if you can grow and like the person can help the other person grow out of their own kind of not suffering, but kind of like own uh, problems that they've been facing, and mm-hmm. if they are able to help with anything between that, and a, if a compliment, you, you yeah, compliment each you other. You see people that's, as that's like a, put it. you should see people as like partners, as like complementary to you, not necessarily like, um, like literal other halves. It's like, oh wow, God put us together. No, God didn't put this this person in for your life. Yeah, you found somebody that oftentimes is within close radius of you that that's similar to you enough. And yeah, and and that you bonded with that you know if, you know that you want to fuck like like let's let's call yeah. it for what it is you know um 
for for a lot of people and i know that there's different types of relationships but i think that like if you want to find somebody that's good for you you first have to find yourself you really do you maybe if your top priority with regards to other people and the rest of the world is a romantic relationship you need to rethink your priorities because you're not ready for one yep yes yes on the next episode we're going to be kind of like crushing uh liberal assimilationist views as they as they manifest in like two documentaries one's uh the celluloid closet from 1995 and disclosure trans lives on screen uh from 2020 respectability and assimilation fuck that noise we're gonna be savage all right well um make sure to subscribe to our youtube channels and follow us on patreon uh again mine is uh style as substance mine is uh elaine fuentes and mine is vivian strange whoever is your favorite host go give them money on patreon (laughs) or give us all money yeah you know equal distribution of commodities as they say (laughs) equal distribution communism (laughs) 